Hello and welcome. This is Jonah Steinberg. I'm a Jewish chaplain at Harvard and the director of Harvard Hillel, and so glad to welcome you to this conversation about the themes week by week of our Torah readings. And again, this time, I am so glad that this is truly a conversation with two wonderful people joining, especially for this week, whom I will introduce in a moment. But first, just to say, as to our Torah reading, that this week we read the start of the Abraham story in Hebrew, Lech Lecha, which we may translate as get going or make yourself a path, or even interpretively find a way to yourself. So we are speaking about the personal experience of a calling and a journey that becomes the story of our people. Get up and go, says God to Abraham, from your land and your birthplace and your parents' house to the place I will show you, and there I will make of you a nation. With me to think about that call and that journey and this peoplehood of ours are Helen, Hannah, Yang. Uh, Helen is a member of our graduate student community and of the young adult Jewish community here in Cambridge. She's a PhD student in biophysics, and I first met Helen along the path of her becoming part of our Jewish people, a path that starts in China and leads through Brandeis and winds up in the present here at Harvard. And speaking of here at Harvard, here too with Helen and with me is Professor Derek Penslar. Derek is Harvard's William Lee Frost Professor of Jewish History. He writes and teaches about the history of modern European Jewry, Zionism, and the State of Israel, about Jewish identity and Jewish nationalism, and our search for Jewish community. And if I put it in colloquial terms, Derek is a member of Harvard's faculty who frequently helps our Harvard Hillel community to think about our experience of being the people of Israel. Uh, and Helen and I have both been looking at a paper of Derek's entitled, What's Love Got to Do With It? The Emotional Language of Early Zionism. So let me start by asking Helen that very question what's love got to do with it? Which is to say, to tell us something, if you will, about your own personal and momentous choice to become part of this people, because I really have come to think about it in your case as a very authentic and personal love affair with being Jewish. Um, so I guess um, one of the main motivations for me to uh, convert to Judaism is uh, the sense of community that I have uh, with the Jewish people. Um, so and my favorite concept in Judaism is Ahava Israel. And um, so like for me, Judaism is about loving other people and about having community. So um, that's kind of just like why I uh, was drawn to Judaism in the first place. Mm. One of the classical sources that I have in mind as we read the Abraham story of this week is an interpretation written down by Rashi, the great 11th century French commentator, Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki, uh, but based on earlier Midrash. And he adds to the get up and go of Lech Lecha, Lahana Ulatovatcha, for your own joy and benefit and for your own good. Now, hana'a in rabbinic parlance can have a legal sense, not just of enjoyment, but of material benefit, but it 
it strikes me, Derek, how in lahana'atcha, for your joy or for your bliss, we might even, we might even understand. And now if I say Heinrich Gretz in that connection, leaders may think first of a rather dry Germanic history writer, but you've been pointing out how at least as a diarist, that great historian Gretz had a proclivity for epics and heroic adventure, novels overflowing with feeling, I think you've said. So in your view, what about sentiment and even passion and a personal sense of love and adventure as a motivator in our sense of being attached to Jewish nation and Jewish journey? It's, it's a great question because it's hard to separate. When you look at the 19th century, it's hard to separate for a man like Heinrich Gretz, who was an observant Jew and a professor in a theological seminary, a Jewish theological seminary. What about him is coming from the Jewish tradition, coming from the age old attachments of Jews to the land of Israel and to the people of Israel? And what is coming from nationalistic sentiments in Germany, in the lands of Europe as a whole? One thing we can say, though, is that this was a man filled with passion. I've actually heard recently that he was an extremely boring teacher. <laughs> Very dry lecturer, but he wrote with passion. And both in his diaries, his letters to his friends, but, but most importantly, in his own historical work, when he writes the history of the Jewish people, it is filled with love. It's filled with, uh, and love of two kinds. There's Ahavat Yisrael, the love of the Jewish people. But then there's also a, a different kind of feeling, which isn't, the word Ahava might not be quite right. It's the word Chiba, uh, a, a kind of a gentle, sentimental, compassionate uh, love that's more a feeling of cherishing than the kind of fierce love that we associate with the passions at their, at their starkest. I'm thinking of the word love in the Hebrew Bible. Um, love is as you know, strong as death, as jealous as the grave. It's a very powerful emotion. And love can also be a sense of command and loyalty, like uh, you know, the Ahavta, that what is the love of humans for God? It's not the same thing as the love we have for, for, our, fellow, for our fellow humans. But for someone like Gretz, it was a very deep feeling of attachment. And the land of Israel was as important to him as, as, as the Jewish people. And it absolutely runs through his all 11 volumes of his history of the Jewish people. So let me pick up on that idea of chibat Zion, of love of Zion. And in a sense, it might seem arbitrary to attach oneself to a people that happens to be attached to a certain patch of land. One of the poems, uh, Derek, Professor Penzlar, uh, you've written about is by another, another passionate writer, Menachem Mendel Dolitsky, of that late 19th century movement called Chibat Zion, or Love of Zion. And, and the poem I'm thinking about ends with, Arise, O aged mother, put on the garment of glory. We have returned to you entwining in your soil. We have brought building tools to you to rebuild your ruins, spades in our hands to open the furrows. Receive, beloved mother, your immortal sons or children. Make them forget their exile. Show your face to them. Remove the garment of captivity and desire them, for they are your children. So turning again to you, Helen, your Jewish homecoming, so to speak, has happened in America. And so I wonder, in your path from China 
to Jewish personhood and peoplehood here in the U.S. and the Harvard, how that poem rings and how the place of Israel figures? Mm, I guess for me, I moved to the U.S. Uh, after middle school and uh, I guess I've always felt like I was a little out of place when I was living in China. Um, and I was always looking for something spiritual and where like in China religion um, is not really very mainstream, uh, especially not Judaism. Uh, and then I also lived in different places in the US. I lived in Tennessee, which is very different from Boston. Uh, and then at that place, I also experienced Christianity. Uh, and then after I came to Brandeis, which was honestly completely by accident, I was introduced to Judaism and the Jewish people. And then at that point, I really felt like I found a connection that felt right for me. Um, I actually have never been to Israel. I had plans to go to Israel this summer, except for uh, COVID happened. Um, but I've uh, I know a lot of Israelis, and I've all like I've I know a lot about Israel, and um, I've always felt a connection to Israel, and I'm really looking forward to visit. So Israel for me right now uh, is kind of uh, a, a place of promise uh, for me because I've never been there and I'm really excited to experience it. Yeah. Well, you know, if I, can, if I can respond to you, Helen, on that, I think that in a way you have something in common then with some of these poets I was writing about who lived you know, 150 years ago because although there were Jews living in Eretz Israel, there weren't many, mm -hmm. it was a very, very small community. And these poets, they probably never saw Eretz Israel. And when they poured out their hearts, it was really an ideal that they were mm -hmm. writing about. And their love of Israel was very much tied up with Ahavat Yisrael in the sense of the Jewish people. The land was, a, like you said, a promise. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it was much more abstract than, than concrete. Now, the Song of Songs has already come up in this conversation. Uh, Derek, you, you invoked it in, in, in what you were quoting earlier. And, and Helen, one of the other sources and traditions I have in mind as we read Lech Lecha, and it also has to do with love, is an early Midrash in, in Genesis Rabbah that links the start of the Abraham journey to a verse in the Song of Psalms, to that beautiful love poetry of our scripture. And it's to the verse, L'reach shemanecha tovim shemen turak shemecha, as perfumes your goodly oils, your name is oil poured forth. And the Midrash compares Abraham, Abraham Avinu, to a flask of balsam oil that sat for some time corked with a stopper. And only when the flask was moved was the fragrance it contained set free to waft. Just so, says the Midrash, the Holy Blessed One said to Abraham, move yourself now from place to place and your name, which is to say your distinctive identity, will be revealed and spread forth in the world. So I think, Helen, not only of your moving from place to place, like Avraham in the Torah and in the Midrash, but of what may have been within your flask, so to speak, from the beginning, which your personal journey has let out. 
And I wonder if you think of it at all in that way and, and how you think about the possibility of a, a move from place to place leading to a discovery of something that is within us. Um, that's a great question. I actually believe that um, we all have a lot of potentials and then uh, our potentials are achieved through different tests. And um, so when, so it's like uh, inherently very difficult for someone to move from their homeland to move to a new place, uh, just like having to uh, know a new culture, a new uh, kind of people. And that's really difficult. So that's sort of uh, like a test of its own. So I think like our potentials are uh, realized in like these difficult tests in life. So I think that's kind of how I feel, um, how like our qualities within ourselves are expressed through these, uh, through like moving and like living in different places in the world. Derek, I know, I know you're working on a book entitled Zionism and Emotional State, um, which is I think a tremendous title. And, and I think perhaps especially in a place like Harvard, we live in a world in which emotions are sometimes considered suspect. There's a, a certain tendency to think about dangers in passions entangling with politics. Um, but what would you say, or maybe what do you say to Harvard students about passions and their own personal paths and peoplehoods? Well, it's, it's very difficult um, because on the one hand, I want to be very honest with my students. I don't want to pretend to be some sort of a, uh, you know, an, uh, like a projection or something, a one-dimensional or two-dimensional figure. On, on the other hand, I don't want to try to influence students unduly. Uh, what I say on the very first day, for example, of my Israel course, and I'm sure some of you, the students who are involved in Hillel are in my course this term, it's a great group of students, is that um, they have every right to their passions, whatever they are. And that it's not my job as a professor to try to um, turn them against their own passions. It's to help them understand other people's passions and to help them gain greater senses of empathy. And yes, there are, there is truth and falsehood. Truth and falsehood is a lot easier to figure out than right and wrong. They are different. Uh, and so I, I want my students to, uh, to respect their passions. And of course, there are some students in a class like that who have very, very strong passions about Israel, not necessarily always favorable ones. It goes in both directions. But the main thing is to, um, to not, not be afraid to be passionate. And that's something I write about in that, in that article that you mentioned is that there were a whole variety of Zionists who expressed all forms of deep love of Eretz Israel. They were very passionate. But uh, my guess is that politically, they did not agree on the best form the Jewish state should take. They disagreed quite profoundly. And that's something we have to live with. I wonder how that strikes you, Helen, as you, as you hear Professor Penslar uh, say that. Um, I definitely believe that everyone is entitled to their own opinions. And I definitely think that uh, especially like in college or in graduate school, it's very easy for people to be really passionate about an issue and, and disagree. But it's also important for us to all uh, coexist in peace um, in that sense, especially 
I, I've, I've met all kinds of Jews who um, hold all kinds of opinions about Israel, either pro or against, or if they want the Israeli government to be more secular or more religious one way or the other, everyone has a different uh, idea. But uh, I think uh, like at the end of the day, everyone still can find like a common ground as in like, you know, um, they all like want the, the best for the Jewish people, even though they don't um, have the same like opinion on how that's achieved. Yeah. On, on hopes about the common ground. And speaking of that, and, and also Helen, you raised the, the very interesting idea of challenges. And mm -hmm. I want to take stock also that we're living in a time that challenges Jewish community. This is a, all of the physical separation that we're experiencing. Um, and I wonder if you're willing to share a little bit about what your Jewish life in Cambridge looks like these days. Uh, yeah, so it is really challenging in COVID, uh, especially because during COVID, I started keeping Shabbat. And that has, so usually when the COVID is not around, there's a great amount of people to hang out with. There are lots of activities. There are always things going on at Harvard Halal, for example, and also like local like organizations like Moshe House and Harvard Band. Um, so right now it's really difficult. I kind of, um, so on Shabbat, I usually try to hang out with, uh, my other friends who are in the area, but because like when people keep Shabbat, it's, things are just really difficult because you can't go very far and now it's also getting really cold. So it is challenging, but we find a way. And, uh, I've, I've actually been taking some like online seminary classes and they've been really fun for me uh so and that's like kind of like how i also stay connected with like the jewish community in a way yeah it sounds like the exact opposite of lech lecha because you can't <laughs> go anywhere <laughs> yeah. we, we can't we can't move mm -hmm. that's what's so interesting isn't it i mean that the parsha's lech lecha so it's about movement it is at least ostensibly about movement to the land of israel and yet the fact is there are so many layers of meaning about what it means to be Jewish. And mm -hmm. it's become so complicated in the last 30 to 50 years, whereas Arthur Hertzberg, the great rabbi and scholar uh, and Jewish leader pointed out, you can be a totally non-observant Jew in many Jewish settings, flagrantly violating commandments, but as long as you're supportive of Israel, then somehow you're in the tent. And let's say you're extremely observant in many ways, but you're not supportive of Israel, then you're outside of the tent. And, and it is a big question, I think, that young people are facing now, young Jewish students at Harvard and elsewhere, is what role Israel will play in that Jewish identity. Uh, you know, whether you go there as a, a tourist or not, whether you go to live there or not. Um, and it's, it's, it is absolutely essential to our heritage. Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael are connected closely, and yet everybody makes their own personal decision about how that balance between those two forces peoplehood and land uh, will be formed. Yeah, I definitely think there are people with like really interesting combinations of like being observant or not observant and like if they're anti or pro-Israel. I feel like um, people might feel like they're not as Jewish one way or the other, but I guess from my personal experience, because I've 
I've been not observant in the past and now more observant. Uh, I guess I've always been pro-Israel, but and in general, I just, I also have, I've known people who are not. Um, I feel like everyone should f- feel um, just as Jewish as they are, no matter how they feel or no matter what they do. And, and the seminary that you're attending online is that that's based in Israel. Am I right about that? Uh, it is. Uh, it is mostly based in Israel, as in most of the teachers are. But also, there are some organizers that are based in Toronto, actually. <laughs> which is which is where Derek is as we speak. And so, exactly. yeah, and and life is with people, as the as the title of the of that great book about the about the shtetl says. If I can raise that in a in a conversation that's also about Zion. And and Jewish nationhood as well as as well as Jewish peoplehood. Helen, I want to thank you. And as we've discussed in Jewish tradition, we often avoid raising questions about a about a convert's conversion. But as you and I were in this conversation already, I, I'm so grateful for your being willing to reflect on it like this. And Derek, truly, thank you for all the ways you answer when when Harvard Hillel calls. And, and personally for how you are always so willing to be in all of this uh, together with us in community. I'm really grateful to both of you and it's, it's great to open the book together with you and, and to have this conversation together. Thank you both so much. Thank you, it's a great Thank pleasure. You. Thank you for having me.